It's Thursday, September 27th, and this is The Daily Dive. It's a huge day in Washington, and the stakes could not be higher. Both Brett Kavanaugh and his accuser, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, are set to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. This will happen as there has now been another woman accusing Kavanaugh of misconduct. Rod Rosenstein is also meeting with the president to decide the fate of his career in the Justice Department. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters, joins us for a preview of what to expect at this hearing. Next, there have been many pet owners who have taken their dogs to be groomed, only for them to die shortly after. People are pointing the finger at practices and negligence at PetSmart locations as the cause for their pets' deaths. NJ.com conducted a nine-month investigation into these deaths and detailed their findings in their report called Groomed, Then Gone. They spoke to pet owners who had dogs that died and current and former PetSmart employees. Sophie Nieto Munoz and Alex Napoliello, reporters for NJ.com, join us for a wrap-up of their investigation. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. People are going to have to make a decision. 36 years, there's no charge. All of a sudden, the hearings are over and the rumors start coming out. And then you have uh, this other con artist, Abinadi, come out with another beauty today. Joining us now is Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters. We've had you on multiple times. You've been following the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh for us. It's been a roller coaster the entire time. They are set to testify Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford later today. So we're just going to give a big preview of everything that's been going on and what to expect later. Let's start off with the latest accusations. A third woman has now stepped forward. She's a client of Michael Avenatti. Her name is Julie Swetnick. What is she alleging that Brett Kavanaugh did? Ms. Swetnick provided a sworn testimony affidavit today to the Senate committee uh, saying that she witnessed on occasions that Brett Kavanaugh and his friend Mike Judge, who's been sort of a peripheral character in this whole thing, had engaged in several instances of drugging women or giving them alcohol in order to take sexually advantage of them. She alleged that in one of those instances, Kavanaugh and Judge were present while she was drugged and then raped by multiple men in what she called a gang rape. It was very graphic accusations that came today as as the third woman to say that Brett Kavanaugh had participated in inappropriate sexual behavior when he was a teenager. And once again, she is a person who was around the same place, you know, in the same time as Brett Kavanaugh. She lives in D.C. right now. She holds security clearances for her work with the Treasury Department, the U.S. Mint and the IRS. So she's not like just some random off the street. That's correct. She is been vetted for security clearance to work for the federal government before. She is a professional in many other capacities. The United States government has said that they trust her integrity. So she is the one that is coming forward now. And, you know, people are sort of speculative about how all of these women have such important jobs. I mean, they all attended very prestigious schools in the Washington, D.C. area. And as a result, many of them continue to work in high level jobs in, in D.C. now. Ahead of the testimony, Brett Kavanaugh has released his statement, you know, written statement. They usually release it 24 hours in advance. And uh, he says, I don't know anything about these ridiculous Twilight Zone <laughs> accusations. He continues just to deny everything. And he he does make a mention in his statement that he did drink on the weekends, usually with some friends. And he did stuff that he was probably very cringeworthy 
but just completely flatly denies everything. He has insisted that he did nothing that would be considered inappropriate. He said in a television interview this week that he was a virgin when he left high school, although the accusations against him by Dr. Ford would not be negated by him being or have been a virgin when he left high school. He also publicly released his calendar, what looks like a wall calendar from when he was in high school. So we now know what weekends he went to the beach that summer and when he was touring college campuses. And it's been a bit mocked by his critics that it was unlikely that he would have written on his calendar, you know, sexually assault a classmate (laughs) the day that he's accused of doing so. That is just so weird. I mean, I know people keep a lot of things, but who keeps something for so long ago? That's kind of funny. So he must have a box of calendars all over his, you know, in storage or something. I can't imagine. I don't have any of my high school calendars tucked away anywhere. So uh, that's a bit of an odd one. What has the president been saying lately? Because I know early on he was saying the accuser should be heard. Now, with the newest accusation, he was calling Michael Avenatti just a third-rate lawyer and trying to just disperse doubts on all the latest accusations. Early on in this uh, series of accusations, the president did seem to be exercising some restraint. That restraint is gone now today, calling Michael Avenatti a low life on Twitter, attacking the women who have made these accusations, and really shifting his tone and his his rhetoric to suggest that the real victim here is Brett Kavanaugh and that he has been subject to an unfair attack and that these women are not the victim, but instead the judge that he nominated. All the fireworks are happening later today. We found out that Rachel Mitchell, she's an Arizona sex crimes prosecutor, will be the one questioning Brett Kavanaugh and Christine Blasey Ford. It's a smart move on the part of the Republicans because they get to avoid that whole thing with the 11 white men questioning the woman about sexual allegations. And it kind of streamlines the whole process. You know, they don't have to ask the same question multiple times, things like that. So what do we know about Rachel Mitchell? The logistics of today's hearing are going to allow each member of the Senate five minutes of questions. And that means that there will be about an hour of questions. And we expect Democrats to take their own questions. And then you're right. The Republicans have hired this Arizona attorney as a woman who's going to essentially be a temporary staffer to the United States Senate in an effort to avoid the bad logistics. Senator Grassley, who chairs the Judiciary Committee, said this was being done in the interest of Dr. Ford, that this was being done to prevent her from having to be a spectacle being created. He accused the Democrats of having grandstanded earlier to avoid grandstanding. But really, we suspect and understand from those in the Senate that this was done to avoid having 11 male senators grill her over, over her accusations. She's very highly respected in her field, and she's made a career on uh, providing justice to victims of sex crimes. So it'll be interesting to see how that line of questioning goes. Then they're voting the very next day. That's right. And possibly at 9 a.m. on Friday, we could see the committee vote to send Kavanaugh's nomination to the Senate floor. There are some procedural requirements. Now, he could make that vote and, and go without all of the senators approving him, although we don't expect that to be the case. We expect all 11 Republicans to back his nomination. And then a certain amount of time has to expire on the Senate floor, so we wouldn't expect a vote on the Senate floor until maybe at the earliest on Tuesday. Ginger Gibson, political reporter for Reuters, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me.
something that owners say is that they assume that their dog is tired or just anxious. And I, that might have been what he assumed. But he did turn around really quickly once he realized that there may have been a deeper problem going on. He went back for help, but unfortunately it was too late for Capone. Joining us now is Sophie Nieto Munoz and Alex Napoliello, reporters for NJ.com. They did a nine-month investigation called Groomed Then Gone. They looked into various pet deaths as a result of pet owners taking their pets to pet smart grooming locations and something you know might have happened there when they went home. The pets weren't the same and died shortly thereafter. This is a crazy long investigation. You guys spent nine months looking into this. Start us off. How did you find out about some of these stories and what prompted you guys to look into this to begin with? Our story was prompted after a dog named Scruffles died in the Flemington PetSmart, which is in West New Jersey. And after that, you know, this woman, the owner of Scruffles, she started her own Facebook page. We saw people sharing their own stories. So we decided no one's keeping track of how many dogs are really dying. And we decided to kind of do a deeper dive into why this might be happening and just how many dogs have died and if there are any regulations or if there is any transparency. So that's kind of how we started. And we ended with 47 dogs died across 14 states since 2008 during or shortly after groomings at PetSmart. And most of those occurred after the start of 2015. So in the last three years, at least. So these are a little more current than the full slate of it, which, as you said, goes back to 2008. What did we find out? I know you guys started with some key findings. Let's start there and then we'll kind of go into some of the details after that. Some of the former employees that we spoke to uh, alleged uh, PetSmart's grooming training, which they tout as the industry's very best, fell short of what was advertised. So some of the people we spoke to said they saw unprepared trainees rushed into the stores. The managers weren't always looking over their shoulder when they were still getting training. We had one former employee who told us she got a training booklet where she had to do 200 dogs and a manager had to sign off on that and that basically uh, she didn't complete all 200 and that she was rushed through the training. We also found instances of PetSmart having owners sign non-disclosure agreements that required them to delete social media posts and negative comments about some of their experiences with PetSmart. And lastly, we found that there is very little oversight of this industry because there is no state requires all individual groomers to be certified. So there's no central agency that would have the statistics on how many dogs die on an annual basis. And most of the dogs that were affected by this were like English bulldogs, similar breeds, the ones that have short noses and smushed faces. They're known to have breathing problems. And a lot of them that were in your investigation ended up being those kinds of dogs. Those kinds of dogs are called brachycephalic dogs, and they accounted for 20 of the 47 deaths. So they get stressed out more, and they're more prone to like respiratory distress in very hot areas or very stressful environments. You mentioned the training. Obviously, it's a touchy issue when you take your dog in there, they, you think they're doing fine, and then you, they leave the grooming facility, and then they die. Obviously, you're going to point fingers at the last thing that they went through, which was the grooming. But PetSmart employees, they go through a pretty intensive training. As you said, they might, might fall a little short, but it's supposed to last about 14 months. That's a long time. What do they have to do for their training usually? They go through this 800-hour training process, and it's broken up into four parts. They start off as bathers most of the time, unless they're experienced groomers. 
they will start off as bathers and they'll do uh, 125 dogs or about three months. And then they go to this grooming academy, which is four weeks. Monday through Friday, they go to another PetSmart store and they learn from an experienced groomer start grooming dogs, learn basic anatomy, and then they come back into the stores after that and they have to groom 200 dogs before they're certified pet smart pet stylist, they're called. That's their grooming process. I mean, that's pretty intensive. It, you know, presumably at the end of that, you should expect that they know how to handle a dog, uh, even dogs in tough cases. So let's go back to some of the the stories that you have. You, you guys spoke to a lot of people. You spoke to about 22 former and current employees. You spoke to a lot of pet owners who went through this. One that struck me right away, obviously you start the story that way, was with Nick Pompilio and his English bulldog Capone. He went in for a 15-minute appointment. It should have been. It lasted more than an hour. When when they brought him out, they had to put him in a shopping cart and wheel him out to the cart. At that point, I'm like, what's going on with my dog? You know, I'm not going to take him home right away. It's like there seems to be a problem right away. Nick Pamilio, he loved Capone, but he brought him in for the nail clipping. It was supposed to be 15 minutes. He had brought him there before, took about an hour, and the dog came out and its back legs were kind of weak and it just blotted out on the floor. He just didn't put two and two together. You know, I think that one of the problems that we might have found or, or something that owners say is that they assume that their dog is tired or just anxious, and I, that might have been what he assumed. But he did turn around really quickly once he realized that there may have been a deeper problem going on. He went back for help, but unfortunately, it was too late for Capone. What has PetSmart done in reaction to this investigation and to all this news? Because I know it was drumming up on social media. People were starting to form groups and get the awareness out there. What has PetSmart's reaction been to this? In February, the company, as we were doing this investigation, the company announced it would complete broader assessments of pets at check-in. So they would do a better job of looking for some of these signs. And if they saw a combination of lethargy, excessive panning, trembling, shaking, eye redness, that they wouldn't groom the dog. So they also announced that some breeds, like the brachycephalic dogs, could only receive express groomings. So what that means is a groomer would only handle this dog from start to finish without any interruptions. They also said that they would install cameras in the grooming areas by uh, August 2019. So that's every grooming salon that they run. And they also held an open house this past Sunday where they allowed customers to take a tour through the grooming areas. Let's start connecting a lot of the dots in this because this is, a, you know, a wide ranging, as I said, nine month investigation. There's a lot of parts to this. A lot of people said that things started going downhill in the grooming section after new ownership of PetSmart. And they started prioritizing the amount of dogs you had to groom in a day. They were trying to increase the numbers that a groomer would go through, uh, you know, in any eight hour period. PetSmart was brought out by a private equity firm in 2015. So a lot of groomers say that that's when a lot of the changes happened and there was this intense pressure to grow profits. There was always this quota of doing dogs and, and getting add-ons or you know, trying to increase the price of a grooming because that's a pretty normal business practice. But we talked to groomers who said that once the pressure came down from this new owner, I mean, it was so bad that some of them had to quit. And the conditions there, I read in the story, you know, some people pointing towards these drying cages, especially with these short nosed dogs, you know, they have difficulty breathing. If they're in a hot cage for a lot of time, the stress can build up also. Breathing problems can happen. People, uh, you know, what's the condition of these facilities like? I know they're not letting a lot of people in to see them and they're changing that more recently. What do these facilities look like? I went to four different stores in Jersey 
and I wasn't allowed to tour any of them. We know that there are some type of kennel cages in the back because dogs have to wait somewhere, and that's also where these cage dryers are. But we also didn't find anything that explicitly says these dogs are dying from being in the cage dryers or from being stressed out. And it's really hard to figure out why they're actually dying because the autopsies for dogs, they're really speculative. It leaves owners pointing fingers and it leaves everyone pointing fingers because they don't really have a cause of death there like a human autopsy would. There's also this notion that dogs are property so the financial gains in, in some of this stuff to proceed with lawsuits and things like that, they're not really there. A lot of these people that you spoke to also, PetSmart offered them these non-disclosure, assigned this non-disclosure agreement, we'll pay you for this also. But a lot of them refused it. They didn't want to go through that. Some of the people we spoke to said it was more about principle than the money. So they wanted to bring awareness and to let other people know that this does happen and that they should be careful and know this information. The attorneys, basically, if they take these cases, they take them pro bono. They're, like you said, there's not a lot of money in it because dogs are seen as property. There's not a lot of financial incentive. So e even the attorneys that do take these cases, they take them because they care about the animals and the well-being of the of the pets. What should pet owners do? How should they pre-screen a groomer or something like that before they leave their pets there? One of the groomers we spoke to said you should interview your groomer like you should interview your nanny, especially because so many people nowadays see their pets as family members or, or as their kids. So one of the first things that these experienced groomers told us people should be looking out for is if the groomer has a certificate or some type of grooming education. So because it's not required, if someone took that extra step to go be certified or get some type of background education, what, ask them what their background is, that means that they clearly care about what's going on. You know, ask them where they were trained, how long they've been doing this, and also ask about the specific grooming process. So how long is the grooming going to take? Do they groom straight through or do they give the dog a break? Do they kennel dry the dog or cage dry the dog or do they towel dry it or do they just let the dog air dry? And also you want to ask how they maintain their equipment. So if the bristles of their brushes don't look like they've been maintained, that could be a sign. If their combs are all crooked, that could be another sign. Also, if they use something like some type of animal-specific disinfectant, you should really be aware that you're in a clean, relatively clean environment. I am, It is a grooming facility, so right. there's going to be dog hair any, everywhere. But there shouldn't be like this pungent smell, you know? So these are some things that... that dog owners should really keep in mind when they're when they're looking for groomers. Yeah, and a lot of this is put on the pet owners themselves. I mean, you have to go through this stuff because if you want greater accountability in this sector, you would have to go through legal regulations and a lot of other steps to, you know, be able to hold places like PetSmart accountable. What's been the overall reaction you've guys gotten to this investigation? I think the reaction has been pretty positive, but also if you look at our email inboxes and some of the comments on the social media channels that we've shared the article on, there are other people who are sharing their experiences at uh, PetSmart and most of those experiences aren't positive. So we've had other people contact us saying they have similar stories to share. And then there's the, the legislators who, who want to get some bills passed to uh, regulate this industry. Sophie Nieto Munoz, Alex Napoliello, reporters for NJ.com. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. All right, that's it for today. Join us on social media 
at Daily Dive Pod on Twitter and Daily Dive Podcast on Facebook. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow The Daily Dive on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The Daily Dive is produced by Miranda Moreno and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this was your Daily Dive.